Hey guys, welcome into the Simon Short podcast. I am Simon Short. Uh, we are continuing our playoff preview slash Super Bowl contender series here. We are primarily doing that this week by discussing the Baltimore Ravens with my good friend Benjamin Lawson. So really hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Uh, I always talk about a second team in, in one form or fashion. Last week with Shane Davis, we actually talked about both teams with Shane. The previous two weeks, I did a little solo thing at the top. Um, and that is what I'm going to be doing this week. You'll hear in the intro to the podcast with Ben, I was talking about, uh, I would be discussing the Miami Dolphins this week as well. The plan was to have Lee McManus from uh, phantomsportsindustries.com back on the podcast to discuss the Dolphins. And we were going to do something similar with Shane, where it was, uh, you know, split, you know, 30 to 40 minutes on, on each team with two different, or in this case, just with two different people. We ended up deciding to scrap that, and the reason being is because with the Miami Dolphins and everything happening there this week, discussing their their playoff scenarios and Super Bowl chances really just wasn't the important topic of conversation this week. Obviously, after the game on Sunday against the Green Bay Packers, um, Tua came into a tongue Vailoa, the quarterback came into the facility on Monday, said he was experiencing symptoms of a possible concussion. They tested him, diagnosed him with a concussion on Monday. And then uh, that report came out. And then between Monday and Tuesday, someone found a clip of what was probably the play where he uh, sustained the concussion. Um, and it was obviously pretty bad. If you've seen it, you know. And it's just uh, continuing the scandal of what's going on in Miami with Tua, with the coaching staff, with the NFL um, process and the spotters. Like, how, how do we miss this? How do we have this happen to this player again? Uh, continuously putting him in dangerous situations and you know obviously just with that it, it would completely be the wrong time to just get up here and say oh well hey how's Miami looking this year wow can they do it in the Super Bowl so we decided not to do that so I definitely hope to have Leon again soon um, at, at some point but but it's not going to be this week so instead uh, here at the top I'm doing a solo talk once again and I'm going to do another team in the AFC North that I need to talk about it's the Cincinnati Bengals um, Cincinnati is obviously having a very, very good year this year. They're still completely in contention for that number one seed. They're 11 and four. They're uh, first in the AFC North. I think they're third overall in the AFC right now, but obviously a big, big game with Buffalo coming up Monday night. Um, so because that game's coming up, I won't spend too long on this, but I do just want to talk about the Bengals and what I'm looking for from them moving forward and just kind of where they're at so far this season. So to dive into the stats like we normally do, uh, here are the here are the good stats for them. They're seventh in yards per game, fifth in passing yards per game, sixth in points per game, seventh in rushing yards allowed per game, ninth in points per game allowed. So top ten in all of those metrics. That's really really good in terms of uh, traditional stats. Advanced stats: DVOA seventh in overall DVOA, fifth offensively, eighth in passing DVOA, and fifth in rushing DVOA. So top ten again in terms of offensive DVOA total top 10 in overall DVOA. Um, now to the not-so-good stats. They're 26 in rushing yards per game. Um, now they are in the bottom third in attempts. So that that kind of correlates, right? They don't have a ton of the raw yardage because they're not running it that, that much. It is still lower than you'd expect because I think they're literally 20th or 21st, but still, it's not a big part of their game plan. Um, they are 21st in passing yards allowed per game. That's going to be interesting. We'll talk about uh, their cornerback situation here at the end of this little segment. 
Now, kind of the stats in the middle where they lie. So yards allowed per game, they're 13th. Um, and it makes sense because they're really good at stopping their run in terms of being seventh in rushing yards allowed per game. They're pretty poor in uh, the yardage allowed through the air. So it kind of averages out into the middle. Um, DVOA, they are 14th across the board defensively. So they're 14th in defensive DVOA, 14th against the run, 14th against the pass. So the the stat, obviously their offense is great. That's what we're seeing here. And that uh, no questions about that. Joe Burrow has solidified himself as, uh, an upper echelon quarterback guy, you know, wherever you want to rank them, top five, six, whatever, something like that. He he's in in that top group with those guys. Um, obviously the wide receivers, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, fantastic. Joe Mixon is a very talented back, which I think also helps in terms of why they have a poor traditional stats for running the ball, but are about average. Um, in terms of the advanced stats, he's very good behind the line of scrimmage. He's very good after contact or even avoiding early contact. So I'm sure he's converting a lot of short yarded situations. So getting successful runs. So he's on second and five, he's getting three yards on third and one. He's getting the first down stuff like that. So the defense is what I wanted to key in on here because they are in the top 10 in terms of points per game allowed. So they're doing really, really well in that. They're not allowing a lot of points, but they're allowing a lot of yardage through the air, which is which is interesting. Now, they're able to stop the run. They're in the top 10 in terms of stopping the run in terms of raw stats, which is good. And that, makes a, that does make some sense, right? Because in, in today's NFL, uh, defenses are selling out at stopping the pass. So offenses need to be able to run the ball. So Cincinnati is saying, we're not going to let you run. You're going to have to find a way to pass the ball. Luana Rumo, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals, kind of in, in a way got this started in terms of the popularization of, oh, go to too high to stop a team like the Chiefs, you know, drop eight, rush three. And, you know, that's kind of where the league then went. And, and now they're kind of doing the opposite where they're they're selling out at stopping the run against seventh and rushing yards allowed per game but 21st in passing yards allowed per game. So I still found that interesting because you would think, okay, once a team comes in and realizes they can throw the ball, then maybe they they just start kind of hammering that. They target those corners and they should be able to run the score up, not necessarily to the point that the Bengals should be losing these games, but I'm surprised that they're ninth in points per game allowed. So I wanted to dig into that a little bit more. Uh, and, and you could say that the passing yards might be some garbage time stuff, right? They're, they're, in a prevent defense, they're giving up some some garbage yards in, in the fourth quarter, but still, it, it still was interesting to me. So, want to look into it further. I was like, okay, maybe maybe they're really getting a lot of sacks. Maybe they're getting a lot of turnovers. Not really in either scenario. Uh, they're 29th in the league in sacks. They're actually one of the worst teams at getting to the quarterback, um, and they are just average at takeaways. They they have a good takeaway differential, but it's because they don't turn the ball over themselves. They're about 14th or 15th i think they're they're right in the middle in terms of takeaways that their defense gets so then i was thinking maybe they're just like a really elite on third down we talk about that with ben and the ravens they're actually pretty average in that too so so an average rate they're getting turnovers at an average rate they're allowing third down conversions at a very poor rate they're sacking the quarterback you know, their average in terms of the advanced stats, the the metrics there uh, in terms of DVOA. So what is it? Because then I went to penalties. Hey, maybe they're really just a really disciplined team. Nope. Defensively, they're 26 in defensive penalties on this season. So they're 
heavily penalized, lightly getting to the quarterback and very average and everything else. So then I thought about, hey, who are their opponents? Who are they playing? And here's what I think is interesting. Here are the teams that the Bengals have played so far this season. The Steelers, the Cowboys, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Saints, the Falcons, the Browns, the Panthers, the Titans, the Chiefs, the Bucks, the Patriots. Now, obviously, there's some really good teams on that list. The Cowboys are third in points per game this season. The Dolphins are 10th. The Chiefs are second. After that, you have all teams outside of the top 10 and a lot of teams outside of the top 16, top 20. The Steelers are 29th. They've played them twice. The Jets are 25th. Ravens 15th. Saints 22nd. Falcons 17th. Browns 14th. They've played them twice. Panthers 18th. Titans 27th. Bucks 28th. Patriots 16th. So they're they are facing a lot of teams that just naturally are uh not high level scoring teams. So then you try to break that down and say, what does that mean for when they play these other really, really good offensive teams, right? So that's why I, again, said this Bills team, this matchup on Monday is going to tell us a lot because the the Bills, even though it doesn't feel like they're clicking at 100% success for them right now, they've won seven or so in a row, six, uh, I believe, something, something in that range, one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row. And they've done it pretty well offensively, 35 points, 32, 20, 24, 28, and 31. So three times in the 30s and then an additional 28 points against the Lions. So they've been scoring just fine in the last six weeks over this six-game winning streak. So this will be a really, really interesting case for the Bengals. The Bengals, the, those uh, three top 10 offensive teams I mentioned, what did they give, give up to them? Uh, only 20 points to Dallas, but that was Cooper Rush. That was way back in week two. That's obviously a different team. Um, so then you kind of factor that into they, the Cowboys weren't at the third best offense in the league. Um, with Cooper Rush at the helm, so you've got to keep that in mind. The Dolphins game, they gave up just 15 points in week four. That's pretty good. Um, but I think I don't think that was a two game. Actually, I'm gonna pull this up on the fly. Tua played the first three weeks, I believe. Yeah, that was Teddy Bridgewater. So there's another top 10 team that didn't have their starting quarterback when the Bengals played them. Uh, and then finally the Chiefs, they gave up 24 points. Now, obviously, the Chiefs were we're at full health in that one. I'm looking at the injury report from that game. Oh, no, that's the current injury report. Um, but Patrick Mahomes was there. Travis Kelsey was there. That was just a great game. But they gave up 24 points. So that was one of the games they gave up a little bit more. Um, so this team, I don't want to say they haven't been tested because, you know, there's a lot of average offenses in there. But we haven't seen them play. Really, the Chiefs are the only really good offense you can say that they've played i guess you could argue the browns when when the Bengals had played them they're a really good running team they had to put a good offense together but in terms of real firepower through the air the kind of playoff the kind of teams the kind of skill set the kind of offense you're going to see in the playoffs we haven't seen the Bengals really face that yet and right now they're banged up they've kind of been banged up all year different guys have been in and out um, but Dre Hendrickson just played his first game back. I, I think he only missed two weeks with that broken wrist, but he's playing with a cast. I, I can only imagine he's not quite 100% himself. Sam Hubbard is still out. Uh, I 
haven't seen any updates on him. I know he was just kind of week to week. We'll see if he plays before the postseason starts. Obviously, way back in week eight, starting number one corner, Chidabe Awuzie, who was playing like a top 10 corner. Uh, he went on IR at that time. Uh, and, you know, just kind of in and out with some of their best players uh, this whole season. Right now at corner, Eli Apple and Cam Taylor Britt are the starting corners. Cam Taylor Britt is a rookie, second rounder out of Nebraska. Um, and I think he's been fine, you know, just from what I've read. I, I haven't really keyed on him a whole, whole lot, I'll have to admit. But again, if you're going to go up against Josh Allen and, and Stephon Diggs or Gabe Daver, Gabriel Davis or, you know, uh, Isaiah McKenzie or, you know, whoever else they want to throw out there, and you you have a second-round rookie who didn't play at the beginning of the season. He was on IR to start the season. He had an abdominal uh, injury. I, I'm not sure if he sustained it in training camp or in the preseason, but he missed the first you know six, seven weeks of the season. Um, I believe week seven he was his first bit of action. Then week eight, he uh, started with Eli Apple out that game. Then Awuzie went out in that game, and, and Taylor Britt's been the starter ever since. So – you can at least say, well, he, he's going to have a lot of reps because he's been the full-time starter. He's played over 90% of the snaps, basically, uh, every game he has been in since week eight. And I'm just going to confirm that now because I'm here looking at it. Um, yeah, Oh, uh, except for week 15, he played 78% of the snaps. I think I did see that he went out with some kind of injury in that game, but then he came back week 16 last week against the Patriots and played every snap defensively. So... That matchup is going to be interesting, whether it's a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster on the Chiefs or Gabriel Davis or Stephon Diggs, because Eli Apple is not a guy you necessarily want to throw one-on-one against those guys. So it's going to be heavily relied on those safeties, um, Bates and Bell, and just kind of what they are able to do to, to mitigate the, the corner uh, talent an ability that that Cincinnati has because it's not what they thought they were going to have to start the season. Um, I'm just going to pull up some other things real quick. Yeah. Bell, Bell and Bates. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that'll be interesting. Bengals offensively can hang with anybody. We've seen them beat the chiefs multiple, multiple times now. Um, I've no concerns about their offense. The, the, the run game, you would like to be a little more consistent. And one thing I do need to mention, Lyle Collins starting right tackle was really just uh, coming into his own here with the, the changeover to Cincinnati. He's out for the season with, with a torn ACL. Um, the, the guy who's going to be replacing him, I feel so bad for him. Um, Hakeem Adeniji, who, played guard for them in the playoffs last year and was the guy just continuously getting uh, just targeted by every defense, um, attacked constantly. He's now going to be their right tackle moving forward. That's a huge downgrade from Collins to Adenogy. And when they have to face anyone that's rushing on the Bills or anybody, any of the crazy blitzes that Spagnuolo is going to come up with the Chiefs, Khalil Mack of the Chargers feels like he's starting to come come alive again. Joey Bosa is coming back soon. Um, so so some of the best pass rushers that they're going to face in the in the AFC over the playoffs, they're going to attack that guy. And it's going to be very interesting to see not only how it uh, impacts their run game, which isn't their bread and butter, but also if it affects Joe Burrow at all in, in that offense. But I still think they'll put up the points they need in a shootout. 
defensively. The defense was kind of what helped them really spark their way to the Super Bowl last year. And and I didn't look up their their uh, point totals and passing numbers last year, but this defense can stop the run. It's to this point of the season, not giving up a lot of points, but also hasn't been heavily tested. So it will be interesting to see them play the Bills on Monday, and then they'll play the Ravens again in Week 18. And theoretically, Lamar Jackson will be back, but it's still not a great offense in terms of putting up points. So this Bills team is going to be the, the last real test and only real test for this Bengals defense in terms of playing an elite offense before the postseason. And it'll just be uh, really interesting to monitor and check out along the way. So I think that does it for our Bengals talk. Um, again, you're going to hear the intro for Ben. And, and, you know, over the course of the podcast, I'll mention the Dolphins, but just remember, scrap that. We're not talking about the Dolphins this week. Um, it's now time to get to my conversation with Ben. So enjoy. Welcome to the Simon Short Podcast. I am Simon Short. We are continuing our NFL playoff preview slash Super Bowl contender or not contender series. It's still way too long of a title, but we're sticking with it. We're already halfway there. Uh, we are talking this week about the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins to talk to me about the Baltimore Ravens because I wouldn't want to talk to anybody else about this miserable organization Uh than a miserable person to do with. Just kidding. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with the Ravens, as any Steeler fan does, and I also do with this person, as I should. Longtime pal, first-time guest of the pod, Benjamin Lawson. Ben, what is up, my guy? Hey, Simon. How you doing, man? I do want to mention, I, I'm seeing on your screen there that terrible towel. I don't know if you're taunting me or want to make me sick, um, you know, before we start talking, but I just um, bought them today. I just bought oh, that. Sure, I just sure. put it up right before this podcast. Oh man, man. <laughs> well, it's good to start. It's good to talk football in a more official capacity than just trash talking via text message about fantasy football. Yeah. Which by the way, how'd that go this week? How'd you listen, do? listen, I, I think that my team underperformed uh, very similar to the team that we're going to be talking about uh, today. So <laughs> what a segue. What a, uh, look at a that. professional podcaster already. Um, but just so you guys understand what that meant is I beat Ben in our very long running league in the playoffs in the first round here. Uh, 10 years, something like really long. We took a, I, we break, took a break at some point. Yeah, I think I want to say running. it's been 10 years. I mean, um, I graduated in 2010, you in 2011 or 2012, 12. Mm -hmm. 2012. Um, and I want to say we started it maybe 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it it's definitely, been a, it's been a while. It's been a while. Now, I think I've won more championships than you have. You're living in the past, Ben. You're living in the past. <laughs> I'm living, I'm living in the present. Um, in fantasy, we live in the present in, in real world football. We include the past and, you know, the, the six Super Bowl rings in oh, Pittsburgh, okay. but we're oh, not here to talk okay. about that. Let's talk uh, about rah, the Ravens, rah, rah. a team I'm endlessly fascinated by. Uh, and, and it starts at the top with quarterback Lamar Jackson. So mm. obviously there's a lot going on uh, with Lamar and this offense, lots of questions, lots of concerns, both in this season and for the off season coming up. But just, just to start with Lamar for this season, and the question that's really at the top of everybody's mind, when do we see Lamar Jackson play again for the Ravens this year? Um, I don't know, man. Like, I think that there's, there's two options that make sense to me, right? Option one is he comes back for the Bengals game. 
And I think he only comes back if that game matters for the division title. So, you know, if the Ravens drop one to the Steelers this weekend, right, and the Bengals win, I think he's going to lay out until the first round of the playoffs, which I think is smart. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's banged up. I mean, we're talking hip injuries. We're talking, mm-hmm. we're talking knee injuries. Who knows what else? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's smart. I, I think it's smart to let him lay out um, until the playoffs. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. If, if the division title is on the line with the Bengals in week, uh, what is it, 18 then? Mm-hmm, 18. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if I want to see him back then. You know, you got to worry about the rust component of the game because he'll have been out for six weeks at that point, if you include the game he got knocked out in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, if we drop it to the Steelers, we won't see him until the playoffs. If we win, I think the coaching staff is going to have a hard time uh, keeping him off the field. Um, but I think there's a component of it where he's got to look at it and say, do I risk my long-term health if I'm maybe not ready for week seven, week 18? Um, he'll definitely be back for the playoffs though. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. So you're not thinking he's back for the Steeler game here week 17 on Sunday night football. I don't. And, and I, I just, I really don't. Um, I think especially following last week, I mean, it, it hasn't been pretty with Tyler Huntley and, the Oregon, the Oregon rookie, I forget his name. Um, it hasn't been Anthony Brown, right? Anthony Brown. Yeah. Uh, it, it hasn't been pretty with them, but they are two and two, mm-hmm. right? Um, including the game he, he subbed in for him, but um, they're making ends meet. Yeah. So I think with the Steelers game and, and anybody can win that game, yeah, but it's also really aggressive. And I don't mm-hmm. know if me, as a quarterback trying to get $250 million fully guaranteed, will want to rush a week early against the Steelers. Just to play the Steelers. Yeah, mm-hmm. just to play the Steelers. Um, but I think a third seed in the AFC playoff picture could look real good as opposed to going to Buffalo or going mm-hmm. to Kansas City. Well, so that was my thought when you were, when, when you were talking about, okay, do you, can you win the division or not? I was before even jumping to the divisional round, I was thinking about first round matchup. Would you rather in the first round go on the road to play Jacksonville or Tennessee, or would you rather potentially be at home for the chargers? There's a world where you might actually get a little bit more momentum. You give up a home game. Sure. You're not getting a buy either way though. You're not getting the one seed. So are you almost better off? And I mean, of course, like, this is not a conversation anybody in the macho world of the NFL is actually having, but are you almost better off in the AFC this year as the five seed going to the AFC South and, and probably, uh, I won't say probably it's the NFL in the postseason, but going against a probably lesser team, or at least a team with less firepower offensively than you are the chargers in the first round. That That's definitely something that, is at least on the fans' minds. Again, in the NFL, who knows if they're ever going to admit to actually thinking thinking that. Um, for Lamar, though, this season when he is on the field, how has he been? Uh, I mean, everyone has their different opinions about Lamar Jackson, the player, um, but we know he's in that contract year, as we'll talk about, like you mentioned. But how has he been so far this season? How are you feeling about him? So me, as a fan of the NFL and as a Ravens fan, I'm unimpressed by Lamar Jackson. And this is coming from someone um, who's been a fan of his since he came out. Like when he mm-hmm. came out in 2018 18. and subbed in for, for Joe Flacco, 
it was like, Hey, you know, this guy's really raw, but he, mm-hmm. he could really be something else. And then, then the way the coaching staff just really, um, I think revolutionized the NFL, not saying running quarterbacks were revolutionary, but the way they really committed to his play set, right. you mm-hmm. got to give Harbaugh and Greg Roman and that guy coaching staff, uh, props there. Um, it was just such an exciting time that he won the MVP. Um, and, and we've had playoff woes, but again, he's only like 25, 26. I mean, we, mm-hmm. there's, there's, and it's a team game, right? So, so we can mm-hmm. move past that component of it, mm-hmm. but I've, but I've been kind of unimpressed. So, um, you know, generally speaking last season, I think he also missed four games. So mm-hmm. if we, if we look at it from a, uh, 12 games and 12 games, one of which he was injured in, in both seasons, right. Um, he has less attempts. He does have one more touchdown, but more interceptions, lower completion percentage. Um, his, his passer ratings are higher, right? Um, so we're looking at year over year when he was supposed to take this step forward. And, and, mm-hmm. I, and, and I know there's been some woes on the offensive side of the ball, but we haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're talking about, you know, again, $250 million is, is what we're, the baseline contract we're talking about. We're talking a quarter billion dollars for a quarterback um, who's playing, you know, fair to middling football. Um, and he doesn't pass the eye test, frankly, you know, watching, watching him play on the field. Um, he doesn't look as electric. He has electric moments, right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not the same quarterback from 2020, 2019, 2020. It's, it's not the same guy on the field. Um, and I don't know what's causing it. I don't know if it's an aging thing. I don't know if it's a business decision. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a scheme problem. It could be all three of them. Yeah. But as a Ravens fan and as an NFL fan, I watch him play. And, and I don't cringe when I watch him play. It's not that kind of situation. It's not right. where I'm sitting here like I'm watching Nick Foles on Monday night, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, which was just really hard to see. That was hard that was, to watch. Right? That was tough. That, that was, tough. was tough, man. Um, <laughs> I hate to say Sam Ellinger was better, but oof, right? Um, that was hard to see. Uh, so I'm not saying that. I'm not sitting here watching football games and cringing, but I am like, you know, face palming and saying he could be so much more. This team could be so much more, but we're just not getting it done. And, and, and I'm not in that locker room. I'm not in that office building. So I don't know why, but, mm. um, and then he gets hurt, which is just a huge bummer because you always feel like with Lamar, um, it can get back on track any second. Mm-hmm. He can bust one and the right. mojo is back. It, it's, right. it's back in a heartbeat because you have John Harbaugh, right. As the coach, like it's going to, it's going to, and you have that defense and, and you're going to get back on it. Then he gets hurt. And it felt like it was the worst time to get hurt. It's never good to get hurt, but it felt like the, the offense was untracked and then he gets hurt and it's like, all right, we're going to have to wallow for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so un- un- unimpressed is just the, the word I've got unimpressed. Yeah. It's definitely you like, you know, in the back of your mind, like you said, it can always change in an, in a moment. Like you look down at the wrong moment and an 80 yard touchdown can be ripped off through the air or on the ground. People don't want to admit that he is a good downfield passing quarterback, but it, it doesn't feel as sure of a thing. And I remember what week was the bills game. Um, week four yeah, relatively five. early was, four or five it was very early yeah week four and, and that was like ooh, for through the first three weeks like mvp front runners josh allen lamar jackson and like things were just such on a good track then and then 
yeah, I mean, really, this is almost like AFC San Francisco 49ers where the injuries just keep mm. hitting this team over and over again from, from pass catchers to O-linemen and, of course, to the quarterback position. And, yeah, is it is it a little bit um, hit, the, the thinking about the contract and, and not taking the same kind of hits? Definitely could be. But it could just be the general wear and tear. And I, I hate this topic, um, but like the the running quarterback and taking hits mm-hmm. and what that means over time. I, I don't think it's that. I think it is just he's not 22 anymore. He is 25 years old and he has taken hits just because he is a football player, not the kind of football player he is. Um, because he's built. But I don't he's even built, think it's that because he is. He's he is built skin. well. He, he, yeah. But he's built. He's He's got, he came in this off this season looking stronger right yeah. and that, that that doesn't always uh, uh convey to the field right um he came in looking stronger and it does seem like the injuries he sustained this year are not like the traditional running mm-hmm. quarterback issues mm-hmm. they're they're they seem like they're just fatigue issues yeah right yeah um i think i don't know if it, i think he sprained his pcl right mm-hmm. um which you know yeah it's a, it's a knee issue but it's not the knee issue you see. It's usually right. a meniscus. It's usually an ACL mm-hmm. um, when it's when it's really something severe or an ankle. Um, but it's a hip, right? Yeah. Which always, which is always scary because I yeah. was a Ravens fan with Dennis Pitta um, and all of those mm-hmm. issues. But um, you always have to get nervous about the hip issues, and it just feels like fatigue, right? And which is more concerning than um, a, you know a radical hit that knocks you out. The fatigue is such a great point because ever since that 2019 season, especially, you just see how much he carries this whole offense and how much it really mm. is predicated on what he can do. I don't know if I would say here in 2022, they're running a kind of offense that uses all of his best abilities in the best way, but they've definitely built an offense out of the things he's really good at. And without him, it completely falls apart. And, and that's why we see, even though we're able to run the same kind of offense with Huntley and with the, the other guy, I'm sorry. Anthony Brown. Uh, thank you. Um, I should know. <laughs> he said like, he said like a two quarters. So I should have, I should probably know that, but um, they do, they do a great job of always having a backup who can run the exact same thing, but we see that it's very clearly 60 to 50% efficiency of what it normally is. Um, I do think that'll help them in the long run. You mentioned it. If he actually doesn't come back till week one, but everybody else has been doing the same thing, I think that'd mm-hmm. be great. Um, but all of that said, so so looking ahead a little bit here, we'll come back to scheme and offense here in a bit. But yeah, does he get the contract? Obviously, I, I think we can pretty quickly shut down the does he get a fully guaranteed $250 million deal? I think mm-hmm. 31 teams and owners are PO'd at the Cleveland Browns for this whole situation. For many reasons. This, for many yeah, reasons. A lot of, right. a lot of, uh, a lot every of, every time I see number, many number reasons. four out there, I get, ugh, gross. We're just, yeah, we're going to skate past that because we'll be here a long time. Um, but I, I, safe to say that that's not the true now precedent mm-hmm. that is set moving forward. Something more, much more in the, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray contracts that we've got. Now he should definitely get more than each of those guys because he's getting his contract after and, and he's better than two of those guys. And, mm. and Josh Allen signed his what two years ago. So I think so. This is how the 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 market for any fans that think Lamar is not as good as Josh Allen, he should get less. That's not the way 
sports mm-hmm. market works. Every, nope. The next contract's always bigger. Doesn't have to be much, but it, it has to be bigger. So yep. he should get the he should in theory have the second biggest quarterback contract in the NFL. Uh, beyond Behind Patrick Mahomes, right? And yeah. and but more most importantly, does he get something? Does he get this long term deal that he wants? Does he get a four or five year deal with the guarantees that he likes and that he actually signs here before training camp of next year? Or do we get a franchise tag situation or do we get the 1% chance of something insane happening, like a forced trade somewhere where, where are you currently? Yeah. So he, I think that he has to get that contract, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if nothing else, the past four weeks have had to have shown the organization that it is Lamar or rebuild. It, it just is like, and we're talking, we're not talking like rebuild the roster because that defense is so good, but we're talking rebuild in the jets sense right mm-hmm. when you're looking at where they're at like if you take that quality not that they've had a quality quarterback in, in in years but you take that quarterback who can really fit inside that scheme and make it work um and then even if you have a great defense paired with it uh, it's not a good place to be organizationally and so i really do think that he has to get that contract um the ends that the, they have to find they have to find a middle ground and so i think the terms are going to be really interesting and i think that for lack of a better way to put it, they're going to conduct most of it in the public sphere. I think I, I, I do think it could get really ugly. Yep. Um, and part of that is because of the world we live in today. Part of it is because of last off season. Um, and I think a lot of it is how invested the fan base is and how active Lamar is on, on social media, which is not a bad thing. And I, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that in a, in a negative way towards Lamar um, because I think a lot of folks do that now, but um the, the terms are going to be really interesting because I don't know. I don't, you said it really well, like the market dictates what's going to happen in a lot of ways. And I may not agree with it, um, but it will definitely dictate that it's going to be over. It's got to be over Kyler. It has to be, he's a better quarterback. He's a better teammate. He's a better leader of the, of the, of the, of the locker room. Um, so in that sense, not only the market sense, he deserves more than Kyler does. Um, he's won an MVP. He's won playoff games. So in that tier, I mean, he's, I don't think he's as, um, he's just as valuable to his team. I don't know how to phrase this, but like, if you look at Josh Allen and and the the tier he is, I don't think he's on the same tier as Josh Allen. Um, I think they're all a tier below um, where Patrick Mahomes is. So I don't think that's kind of part of that conversation. Um, The fully guaranteed piece, I think he's going to push for it. I think a lot of young quarterbacks are going to push for it. I mean, Kirk Cousins really started it. Uh, what was it, two, two years ago now, I, for, I forget mm-hmm. what it was, but I, mm-hmm. it was like 80 million or a hundred million. It wasn't 200 and whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, the Browns organization really did um, really did a number on the market, I think. Um, but to really understand his value, frankly, he deserves to have pass catchers. Like he deserves to have people around him who are one going to be trustworthy to stay on the field, um, which could be an organization issue in terms of their training and conditioning um but i think it's also a monetary thing like he's on his rookie contract how do we not have i say we as if i'm on the team like how does the ravens organization not have a stud receiver to go out there and win football games don't worry you got sammy Watkins back wait let's let's talk about that (laughs) roster simon right rashad bateman's going to be great he was on the field for seven games Mm -hmm. Devin duvernay was our wide receiver one (laughs) like Devin duvernay great return specialist uh-huh. Cool dude, actually. 
but mm-hmm. wide receiver one, Deshaun Jackson, the ghost of Deshaun Jackson, right? Somehow can still burn a field, right? Um, burning CD still at like 30, 38 going on 75, like however old he is. <laughs> um, Demarcus Robinson, I'm a fan. I really am a fan. I think he's awesome as like a wide receiver three. Um, and then whatever the um, a number of three, he just got hurt. Um, Prochet, James Prochet. Uh-huh. That's your wide receiver room. And you want Lamar Jack like that. No wonder he's he's the the, the offense is tailored around him so much because there's no one to throw to. And I know that's every fan's, you know, every fan's excuse is always the pass catchers on the quarterback. But I do think that the Ravens have done a disservice in terms of his development as a passer. Um, and I think people are talking about like, oh, well, he doesn't deserve as much because of X, Y, and Z. I think that he is deserving of a bigger contract because of what we've seen the past few weeks with Tyler Huntley. And two, I think we need to nail him down for a long time, get the offense around him where he can unlock his skill set more so than just running. Cause as he ages, he needs to pass more to be productive and have a long-term career. Um, we need to make it happen as an organization for him. Um, I do want to go to a point that you mentioned though, and I'll, I'll try and keep it a little bit briefer. I do actually see a world where we franchise him mm-hmm. and he could be in another uniform next season. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to say that. And I think earlier in the season, um, when I was really in the pit of frustration as a fan, where I wanted to see that happen, seeing Tyler Huntley in the past couple weeks, I'm like, nope, I want Lamar Jackson locked down and in Baltimore for the rest of his career. Um, I want to be able to wear my number eight jersey for the for, for as long as as long as he's playing. Um, but I do think it could happen. And I think it could happen because of some frustration within the organization for the things that he's pushing for. Um, Eric DaCosta, Steve Biscotti, um, less so John Harbaugh, because uh, he's not really in that. He, you know, some coaches take part in that. John Harbaugh doesn't. But I, I do think Eric DaCosta and Steve Biscotti, um, Bashadi, however you say his name, neither of them likes to get pushed around, especially mm-hmm. in financial matters, especially Steve Biscotti. Um, and I could see, a, I could see a, a situation where they say, hey, you know what? Um, we tailored the offense around you once. We'll find it for someone else, mm-hmm. franchise and trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more than 1%, like you mentioned. I think it is. And I, I don't like saying that. And that may be a little hot takey. I, I don't mean it to be. I say that from, a, from where I've really sat with that for a couple of weeks now. Um, but I could see him in a Saints uniform. I could see him in a Panthers mm-hmm. uniform. Mm-hmm. It won't be in the AFC. Uh, they, they do not want to see him um, in, in a championship game anytime um, in a conference championship game. But I could, I could see him maybe finding his way to San Francisco, right, um, with, with Kyle Shanahan. I could see him in Arizona if they get frustrated with Kyle Murray. Um, but I, see, I could see it happen, and it stinks to say as a fan. Um, but I do think it's more likely he gets that long-term deal. What if I could offer you a quarterback who was just drafted in the first round and went five straight games without an interception as rookie <laughs> year and, and three first round picks with, with the hold on just hypothetically, hypothetically, you, you're talking three first round picks this season, this, this, this draft. No, the next three drafts. Next three oh, drafts. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was thinking three for three first this season. You pull an LA Ram situation. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll mug um, somebody. We'll find three. Yeah. First yeah. Round yeah. Picks. Um, that is something that I, I've actually heard talked about by a few uh, talking heads too, is that like, I don't, I also, in terms of the, the franchise and trade, I'm not sure there's, a, there's any team that has the draft capital to pull Lamar Jackson away. 
it, mm-hmm. it would take it would take years of first round picks, probably multiple first round picks in one year's draft, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think the Ravens and Eric DaCosta has been great at scouting talent. Like I think he would have to look into his crystal ball and say, "This is the player we're going which, after." Which, which class do I need? The quarter? Uh, do I need mm-hmm. the most capital? And and probably you know you mentioned the 49ers, probably some kind of already tangible quarterback prospect Mm -hmm. to at least hang your hat on and get the fans excited about for a little bit but i'm with you so so maybe you i mean you're definitely not hot take he's saying there's a chance i'm probably lowballing it saying there's one percent um because we're we're we are waiting for that franchise quarterback to come off of their rookie deal and not end up with their team it's gonna happen at some point just like in the nba we're waiting on that number one pick to not Mm -hmm. sign their rookie extension like it's we're getting closer and closer to that happening maybe it's still 10 years away maybe it's one year away maybe it's three months away we're just gonna have to wait and see yeah daniel but, jones could be the first one if he they didn't find his extension didn't they They didn't get his fifth year option. no yeah daniel jones yeah you're right could he daniel could definitely jones. be gone but i don't know yeah i don't know if daniel jones counts but uh, did baker uh, did baker sign out did baker sign an extension no he he got his fifth year option declined and traded in his uh or going into his fourth year or they yeah. no they picked up his fifth year option they did. and, no, they and they traded him right. during that was this year um, yeah so yes i guess when i again. say you're right yeah, there it are works. examples i'm thinking of good ones though i'm thinking of a legitimate <laughs> top 10 kind of quarterback so not daniel uh, jones an MVP, not yeah. daniel jones a quality uh, quarterback along the lines of josh Allen, one that, Tyler Murray, one that you would like to have at quarterback yeah, Dak prescott one of those guys yeah <laughs> yeah some, someone like that yeah um all right. Well, that'll be really interesting. And yeah, a lot of good points. I think, and then it comes down to a team building perspective. And I swear we've said this three times now, but we're going to get off this topic next. Um, do you trust this team to, okay, because of the roster construction issues, do you trust this team to give Lamar $50 million a year, ballpark, whatever you want to call oh. it, 35, 40, 45, 50, what I would and then 50 find million. a way to build gosh that's a whole nother podcast i know man. uh and then find a way to still build an offense around him while he's not on a rookie deal anymore like you were saying they couldn't do it while he was on a rookie deal or do you say all right fine franchise tag uh trade build an offense then bring a quarterback in finding the right quarterback is the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. in sports there are maybe 10 good franchise quarterbacks in the nfl right now that you feel really good about saying that's our guy all the others, they might not suck, but they're just guys. They're just guys. And, and if you build everything perfectly around them, you can win. But they're not going to be the reason. They're not going to take you there. They're not going to make up for the deficiencies. Lamar is one of those 10. Yep. So you should, I agree with you, lock them down, figure out the rest later, because it's a lot harder to find a franchise top 10 Super Bowl winning quarterback than it is to put a couple receivers together. Yep. And, and the the draft capital that the Ravens have, the scouting that they can do. I trust that if they make it their focus finally, and we are, I have so many thoughts on the draft and, and how that process went that we will get to. Mm-hmm. Um, if they intentionally say, we're going to go find a couple of receivers, I think they'll be able to do it. I agree. Um, they ha- you have to, and, and as a fan, you have to trust that process because like Eric DaCosta and Ozzy Newsom before him, like, You've got to trust those folks because they've earned it. And, and you have to trust John Harbaugh because he's earned it, right? Um, until they prove you different, I think you have to say, well, let's do the financials. 
and it may not be again what I what I agree with as a as a fan or um, you know like just from an economic standpoint, right? Um, but you, you have to trust them to do it um, until the wheels fall off. And, and, and as 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 doom and gloom it feels like talking about Lamar's contract and this dark cloud over it, they're ten and five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know they're ten and five with four games of their backup quarterback, so something's clearly going right culturally and 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 schematically. Right. So it's not all doom and gloom. It's just these things that were working out uh, that, that have to be worked out, you know, on the on the business side of stuff. And I think they'll figure it out. Having Rashad Bateman back will help. Um, I, I know it will help because he, if, if you look at the splits um, on the season before and after Rashad Bateman went out, um, teams are scheming for him. That's why mm-hmm. Mark Andrews has been gone the past eight uh, past six games. Really, he's mm-hmm. kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit because teams had to scheme for Rashad Bateman. Now they're scheming just for Mark Andrews because James Prochet doesn't scare anybody. Nope. Neither does the skeleton of Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> um, all right. Well, now we're in the, the scheme talk section and talk, and, and let's just talk about in general some of the strengths and weaknesses of the team this season. So I'm going to throw some stats out at you. Um, offensively, they're 17th in yards per game, 28th in passing yards per game, but second in rushing yards per game. 15th in points per game. So, like, you you pull everything together, it's an average offense. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, they're 10th in yards per game allowed, 24th in passing yards per game allowed, 3rd in rushing yards per game allowed, 3rd in points per game allowed. So, not a great pass defense, excellent run defense, and even though they're giving up the yardage through the air, they're not giving up a ton of points. Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth least penalties this season, 23rd in third down conversion percentage. Um, and second best third. So it's the second best third down defense. Oh, that was on offense. Second best third down defense mm-hmm. in the NFL. So they're not great on third down offensively, which makes sense because they're not a great passing team offensively, but to make up for that, they're fourth and least penalties. They're not hurting themselves. They're just uh, your typical run, run, pass, run, run, pass. So we didn't get the first down, punt the ball away. Mm-hmm. And then defensively speaking, they're getting off the field on third down. Um, if you like the advanced stats, Six in DVOA, ninth on offense, eighth in defense. Being top 10 in both categories is where you want to be if you're going yeah. to be kind of the Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the the splits for, for pass and defense match exactly what they are. They're elite top five, both offensively and defensively on the ground. And, and then they're middling to average in, in offensive uh, and defensive pass DVOA, so through the air. So mm-hmm. the advanced stats like what they're giving up and what they're doing through the air a little bit more than the traditional stats, because they're still not giving up points defensively, even though they're giving up yards. And even though they're not getting a ton of yards in general passing, they're getting what they need for the most part. So that's why they're kind of average by the advanced stats. Um, what does all this break down to? So basically this team is good against the run struggles against the pass. And my first thought with that, my first question to you is how have the defensive backs been this season because last year was obviously tough i mean marlon humphrey marcus peters were both down for a majority of last season um this team brought in marcus williams this team drafted kyle hamilton uh i believe humphrey and and peters have been fairly healthy for the most part this season Um, peters missed a couple peters missed a couple games where he came back late yeah um Um, humphrey's been out the entire time um he's been out the entire time marcus williams i missed a couple games with a wrist issue Mm mm-hmm Scott Clark, I think, has been in the entire time. Hamilton, I think, missed a game or two, or maybe just a couple quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the big, that's the most noticeable difference from the defensive backs is that we're not running out replacement level players in on the outside, the backfield, 
um, and in the slot. Like we're not running out replacement level folks um, like we were last season. Um, so to the eye test, right, if you're watching them play defense, um, I have found them to be way ahead of where they were last season. Like, you know, it's not where at the end of last season, man, I'm telling you, the quarterback would drop back. If they had more than two or three seconds, I was like, yep. If, if they did not get a sack mm-hmm. or move that quarterback out of the pocket, toast, right? Um, so it, it's not a strength of the team, and uh, the, the, the stats show that, right? Um, but it hasn't been for a decade. You know, I, I, and I was hoping with the new defensive coordinator, I forget his name. It's not McDaniel. I think it's McDonald. McDonald. I think it's Mike mm-hmm. McDonald, right? Um, from Michigan, I think, yep. um, from, from Brothers staff. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was hoping that we'd have some better success there. But um, I think Marcus Peters has gotten old. Um, I, I, th- I think he's, he's gotten old there. Um, we miss, um, what was our slot corner's name? He kept getting hurt. Um, he's in I, Detroit I, now. Yeah, um, I loved him. I forget his name, but we, yeah, yeah, yeah. we, we, we missed him. Don't worry. Yeah, we missed him. It's a Trayvon, not Trayvon Austin, not Trey Austin. Um, but we miss him. Humphrey is locked down. I mean, he's so good but he's on an Island all the time. And that's not really the way he plays. Um, I'll say I, I, I find our safety situation with Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton, Chuck Clark, and the depth pieces to be a strength of the team um, from a ball hawking and tackling perspective, like tackling is way improved. Um, but I think that their skill set's not being used the way it should. Um, you know, Marcus Williams, I'd have to look it up. I'd have to see how many interceptions he has, but um dude can snatch the ball out of the air at any time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's not necessarily put in a position to do that all the time. Um, Kyle Hamilton is awesome. Oh, I love Kyle Hamilton. I think he was a luxury pick, right? So annoyed when I know, I'm man, so I, I think he was a luxury pick in the first round, but like you have to trust Acosta. Like when he came off the board, I think at number, uh, he was, he wears number 14. I don't remember where he was drafted. It may have been 14. I think, yeah, it was. It was yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, why are we doing, what are we doing drafting a safety? Frankly, when I, in my mind, I'm like, Tyler Lindebaum is still there. Why are we not mm-hmm. drafting him? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and to cost, we trust, man, that guy's, that guy's a beast. And Chuck Clark, former Hokie, okay. go tech. Um, yeah. He's out there and, and he's doing really well tackling and, and, and being a real leader on the team. Um, so I think the versatility there will get worked out because McDaniel McDonald, first year defensive coordinator, there's no way we're part uh, ways with him this season. And so um, I think that the defense is going to take a step forward on the defensive backfield. I do think we need to replace Marcus Peters. Um, but some of the depth pieces are intriguing. Um, some of the ones we drafted last season are intriguing. And I know, I know that's, that's, a, that's a piece coming up. So I won't, I won't take any more time on that one. It's, a, it, it's definitely turned into, in the backfield, a bend, don't break. And when those guys are as smart and savvy as they are, and as good of tacklers as they are, you can get away with that. You can make that work. That was part of, I've talked about the Eagles a lot and how that was their defense last year, except their corners weren't very good tacklers either. So they didn't have a lot of team speed. They weren't very good tacklers. It was a bad combination. Now the Eagles corners, Bradbury and Slate, pretty good tacklers, but more importantly, a lot of speed. They're all covering Mm -hmm. a lot of ground. So you have to figure out what what your fit is. Um, and I was, I was, you know, while you were talking, you distracted me. You were making such good points. I was trying to look <laughs> up who had the defense, most defensive snap counts last year, the snap percentages of the defense, just so we can compare because yeah, Humphrey and Peters are the top mm-hmm. two 
corners. I think, by I think it was. So far I think it was Chuck Clark. I think Chuck Clark had the most because he missed the fewest games. Chuck Clark barely came off the field last year. Ninety-four percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your top corner. Do you want to guess who the number one corner was in terms of snap percentage last season? Oh my gosh. Give you I a mean, hint. he's not on the team anymore. It can't be Jimmy Smith who retired. Nope. No. Oh, thank goodness. Um, now who was it? Anthony Averett. Oh man, yeah. And the season before that, yeah, he was he was um he was a special teamer. I think mm-hmm. the year before that, and he started the season as a special teamer, and then he had to come in, and um, he's in Las Vegas now, right? Yep. Yeah, signed a big contract with the Raiders. Yep. Um, real tough. Well deserved real too, tough. because real, real well deserved, right? I, I, he deserved that contract. Um, ooh, but still, if that's your top guy, that's yeah, that place you want to be. When you're paying Marlon Humphrey, when, when you're right. paying Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters all that money, um, and they're not on the field together, real tough. Mm. Uh, let's flip over to the offense now. Passing game continues to struggle despite what we thought would be a philosophy change that would fit this team a little bit better. And here's where I can finally talk about this. The Ravens, the last couple seasons have been run around, run around, run around Lamar, make something happen, find Mark Andrews or Hollywood Brown deep because you have a great mm-hmm. arm, you have good accuracy on the deep ball. And those guys, uh, Mark Andrews is more athletic than any linebacker covering him, and Hollywood Brown is the fastest wide receiver in the NFL. Um, it, and obviously, like you said, playoff woes, it didn't really work out, which is makes sense. It's not a sustainable method if that's your only mode of offense. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to find another layer to add to that, it seemed they made a really conscious effort to say, we're going to completely scrap that in terms of how we're building our roster, at least. And this is where you can kind of say, no, they're still doing that just with worse players. Um, <laughs> But they went into the they, – they trade Hollywood Brown. They're, they're saying Rashad Bateman's our number one guy now, but we're trading Hollywood Brown, and we're going to draft three tight ends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was actually only two tight ends. Yes, two. Charlie like Kolar and Isaiah Likely. Isaiah yeah. Likely. Um, and we are – instead of forcing Lamar to throw it deep, we're going to work the middle of the field. We're going to work things closer to the line of scrimmage for higher successful plays. We're still going to – block the hell out of everybody and run like crazy and and it's going to be great but now instead of relying on this 30 percent deep ball um based on just chances that the deep ball works in general we're going to use this 50 percent success rate of working over the middle of the field um and clearly like obviously that the, it hasn't led to these crazy great results again the Lamar mm-hmm. injury all this Bateman injury yada yada but in terms of that philosophy shift has it happened has it actually worked out that way as it seemed it was going to in the offseason and is it or is it not working i think the 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 chief issue is we we can't really tell right like you can't tell i I went back and double checked a couple things um we've had one game with lamar rashad and gus edwards all season right one game and i think it was week seven or eight right Mm -hmm. Um, four games with Lamar, Rashad, and J.K. Dobbins, right? Um, and I believe J.K. Uh, got hurt the week before Gus came back. Um, so we've only had like four games with Gus and J.K. in. Um, and so in terms of all those pieces, uh, if you have this big identity shift, right, which it kind of was, I mean, um, even though it looks like on paper, well, you went one for one, you got younger, 
with the wide receiver set, similar skill set, which they don't really, uh, Rashad Bateman's fast. He's a better cat. He's a better receiver hands mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. than Mar- Marquise Brown, a little bit bigger. Um, uh, Mark Andrews is still there. Nick Boyle's there. Josh Olive. We have like six, six tight ends on the team, I think, on a yeah. weekly basis, right? And Pat um, Ricard. And Pat Ricard, yeah. One of the few fullbacks in the NFL. Um, but we don't know. We haven't seen it. And what makes me nervous as a fan is they're not going to change next season. They're going to say, well, we didn't really know last year. So let's give it another shot. And I think you can see, um, and I, you probably haven't watched many Ravens games, and I don't know if, if, if the listeners have really, have really spent time on it, but watching the game, the team is frustrated mm-hmm. when you watch them play. Um, you know, you can talk the efficiency stuff. You can talk the metrics. You can talk the on-field results. But even more than that, when you're watching games and you're seeing the players interact, you're seeing the players run to the line of scrimmage, you're seeing them run the plays, they're frustrated. And I think the reason they're frustrated is they feel like the scheme is holding them back, right? Um, and it's not the pieces that are there. Again, we've talked about, you know, I've made the jokes that Devin DuVernay and James Prochet and, and, and the people who are there trying to catch the ball. But, um, but beyond, beyond the tongue-in-cheek stuff, they're still NFL players, right? Mm-hmm. And they're still frustrated by the schematic, by the scheme, because you're looking at Lamar Jackson. And if Lamar Jackson's average depth of target, I'd have to look it up. It, it can't be very far. It, it's got to be 10 to 15 yards most, at most, right? A- average depth of target. Um, if you're talking about that with a guy who can really sling it, right? What's, the defense is going to pull up so he can't scramble when he needs to because they're all within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage, right? So when the field opens up, right, and he needs to make a break for it, he can't because he's got all these mountains coming at him. Right. Um, instead, when you open up those those things and the play does break down because they're not open, well, he's only got to beat five people and he's going to be faster than all of them and they're spread over 10 yards. But now they're all condensed in. Um, and so he can't do the magic that he usually can do. He's taking more hits. Um, I'd have to see if he actually is taking more hits. His sacks have gone down. Um, but I would have to wager again. Uh, this is just an eye test thing. I'm not even sure if they really track it that close. Um, but I, he's, he's gotten, he's taken more hits this year. It feels like I'm um, just getting knocked down. Right. Um, and so I, I want as, as, as someone who has a lot invested emotionally in this team, right. Um, I, I want to see them, um, you know, add a game breaking wide receiver uh, to Rashad Bateman, keep Rashad Bateman. Um, I want to see them add a running back who's going to be dependable in the backfield. Right. Um, and, and, and Mark Andrews just needs to be opened up a little bit. Right. The, the poor guy is blinkered by every linebacker on the team, every single snap. Right. But they just feel it just watching them. It's like they are frustrated on that field because they know that scheme is not working. Rotowire has Lamar Jackson's a dot as less than nine yards. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Look and at, it was wanna... at nine and a half last year. What was it in so, his MVP campaign, 2019? They don't have 2019. I bet you it was it was probably 12 to 15. I mean, it, it was it had to be longer. I mean, he was he was bombing Absolutely. the ball. Oh, he was yeah. bombing the ball. Absolutely. That's um, fine. Let's just quickly scan, and this isn't a fair comparison, but Patrick Mahomes, for example. Patrick Mahomes is also low, less than eight, so less than that. He doesn't um, have Tyreek Hill now. You know, yeah. that, that's, but, but Patrick Mahomes, for, for everything that we're talking about with Lamar and how much I love him as a player, he's not Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah. Um, and Mark Andrews, love him, not Travis Kelsey, right? 
Um, and that O-line in, in KC, I think, is better than the Ravens O-line. But there's been a lot of injuries there. And again, like there are injuries on every O-line. Like, you know, you, you have to go into the season knowing that. Like that's a team-building coaching decision. You have to have rotational pieces on your offensive line because they are going to get hurt. Happens every year. People bemoan it and like, oh, they got hurt. Yeah, yeah, they did because they're getting hit by 350-pound people for 10 to 15 seconds, you know, repeatedly. <laughs> and we're going to go in a real big rabbit hole if we say one more thing about offensive line because listeners of this podcast know that uh, I can do that for a very long time. Uh, and if you want to hear that, just go back over on YouTube, find Benjamin Parker's YouTube page, uh, uh, Sports and Money Pro Football GM where we did a whole offensive line ranking going into this season. Mm. And it's many hours of embarrassing number of hours on <laughs> watching offensive linemen and talking about them. Um, let's spend, I, I think that's all uh, really interesting. And, and the scheme people being frustrated by it, I think definitely makes sense. I think what you'd like to be able to see from Greg Roman is a little bit of creativity, despite the highs of the success that you, that there's been, you know, when, when it's not Lamar, yeah, do like, let's add our, another wrinkle or, okay, we have, you, you mentioned Bateman uh, and everything you said kind of just sounds like, Hey, he's a more complete receiver. We could probably ask him to do a little bit more than we asked Hollywood Brown to do. Let's take That's advantage true. of that. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like, and, and here's a point about Greg Roman. Like um, I think his time in Baltimore has been wildly successful, right? Like he was there. He was, um, he's the reason why Lamar Jackson was unlocked in this offense. Right. And, and, and Harbaugh deserves his take on that too, obviously. But, um, uh, and I forget who the offensive coordinator was in 2018, but I think Greg Roman came in in 2018, 2019. Um, I have to go back to 2019. So the, 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 the MVP campaign. Right. Um, but he's going to be the fall guy this season. And that, and there's, you know, there's that, that is going to happen. Um, I think if Lamar comes back and they make a run to the AFC championship game, um, then maybe not, but I still think fans are going to call for his head. And I do think that he will be the fall guy this season. Um, and I, I can't say I disagree with it just from a um, coaching carousel. And that's the wrong word. It's, it's not a carousel I'm in, with the offensive coordinator kind of is in Baltimore, but um I think it's just time for some for someone else to come in with a fresh take on the bones of that offense, and and like you said, add wrinkles to it, um, open it up a little bit more, give Lamar a couple of new things to learn, because um, I think he needs to be challenged in the offense too, right? Um, it's one thing to fit in and excel, but I think the quarterbacks who really who really really like Josh Allen, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, even Dak Prescott to a certain extent, like they get challenged by their offensive coordinator and their QB coach. They get challenged by their head coach to do more. And Lamar just right now, um, I think needs to get challenged. I don't think Greg Roman is that guy. All right, Ben, last, last question I got for you. What is the ceiling of this Ravens team this year? This whole series I'm putting together is trying to figure out, talk about the, the teams in the playoff hunt, the teams in the playoffs and who are the real Super Bowl contenders. So what is the ceiling for the, 2022 2023 baltimore ravens i think that i um i've thought about this a lot and i've tried to take some of my uh frustrated fan emotions out of it right i really have tried to do that 
And I think that if you look at the roster construction, if you look at the scheme, and if you look at the injuries, right, on, on the offensive side of the ball, the defense has been doing a really good job of staying healthy or getting healthy, right? Um, I think the, the, the expectation has to be a first-round exit from the playoffs. I think, I think you just have to start with that as, like, the expectation um, because it has been the rule for the past couple of years, and I think we're trending in that direction right now just with where the team is. Um, do I think they can overperform? I think in the playoffs with John Harbaugh as your, as your head coach and, his, and if Lamar Jackson comes back and is healthy, anything can happen. But um, there's a chance for a face-off against the Bengals, right? And, and facing a team three times, anytime is always tough when they're in your division. Um, the Chargers have to be scary because they, Austin Eckler is just too good for our offense, for our defense, I mean. Uh, and Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen has been on fire the past couple of seasons, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. Um, and so you have to be afraid of that team. The Jags don't really scare me, though. I think I'm pretty sure they beat us already. And so I don't think that would happen again. I, I, I really don't. So that could be a good matchup. Um, and then uh, who's currently uh, the seven seed? Right now, the Dolphins still hold that. Oh, I, they, I, yeah. I can't. I can't stand the Dolphins, mostly because I, I like Tua as much as I hate. I hate to say it. And I like that coach, too um mike mcdaniel so i really hate to the fact that i like them a lot right um but i don't think that we'd face off well against them i mean they've already beaten us once right but um tyreek hill our 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 defense can't hold him right they they just can't um now i do think there there needs to be some discussions around around to a tongue of iloa and his concussions uh, that's Wait. a whole separate conversation because apparently got another one and he stayed in mm-hmm. the entire game. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. if you look at his splits between the 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 the, um, the play they think the concussion happened on, if you look at those splits, no reason that man was in there again, which is just a sad sad take in the NFL industry, right? Um, but I, I do think the, the going back to your original question, the expectation kind of has to be that first round playoff exit, uh, and I think that results in Greg Roman uh, being canned. Um, for uh, rightfully or wrongfully right injuries are something that but i think he's going to be the fall guy like i said earlier and i think there's going to be some chatter in the off season uh, about john harbaugh being on the hot seat which i think is just completely ludicrous um yeah yeah it's just completely crazy um and uh i hope it doesn't run him out of town you know because he knows the, the product he puts on the field is quality and i think so much hinges around the conversation with lamar's contract um but do I think a Super Bowl is in the cards this season? I will, I will ride the wave as a fan, and I'd love to be wrong. Like there, there are some things that you'd love to be wrong about, and being a, a sour fan is one of them, right? <laughs> you know, you always want to be wrong about that. You want to be the, you want to be the bummer who ends up being wrong, right? Um, uh, I think I just don't think it's in the cards. Do I think it's in the cards with Lamar's quarterback? Absolutely, I do. Right. I really do think that it's in the cards with Lamar's quarterback. And I think it's in the cards with him being paid the way he's he's probably going to end up being paid. I think it's possible. Um, something we didn't really get to. And I, and I and I won't I won't take a lot of time with it. But um, the Roquan Smith contract is going to be an interesting piece of the puzzle um, with Lamar's contract, because you're not going to be able to keep both of them. Um, and if the team franchises Lamar and then signs Roquan Smith, that'll be an interesting dynamic too, 
um, because Lamar is going to see his money going somewhere else and he's the franchise quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that'll be an interesting dynamic, both in the locker room and just from a contract perspective with Lamar and Eric DaCosta. Um, Smith, another guy I was like, Oh man, if he could just get to free agency and he could sit down and cross from Mike Tomlin. Man, and that defense is Real so bummer. much better with him playing. Real bummer. Real bummer. Man, that, uh, that front seven is just scary with him playing. And he's made Patrick Queen better. Like, mm-hmm. like you talk about quality leaders um, mm-hmm. on the field, and it shows you how the Chicago Bears misused him, mm-hmm. right? Because he's now come in to the center of that defense um, in, in Baltimore, and he's transformed that front seven. Mm-hmm. into a really scary cohesive unit and not only is he piling up stats but patrick queen has now like blossomed into this he's blossomed yep. into the guy yep. um not every guy not every player not every person um is ready to be number one and some of them aren't going to be a number one guy some folks fit into the number two role and they are they excel at that pat queen is one of them yep. pat queen is 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 a quality i mean above quality number two in a defense um, and we're seeing that, uh, man. Roquan Smith is so good, so good. I just wish he didn't wear number eighteen. I think that's. I just. I wish. I and Patrick Queen wearing number six also <laughs> is super lame. Like that is a complete like vanity thing for me. But like, I want to see my linebackers in big two-digit numbers, fifty-two, fifty-nine. Like I want to see my linebackers in the fifties, and I want to see my defensive linemen in the nineties. I don't want to even even Kyle Hamilton running around number 14. I'm like, who is this? Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like, no, I I don't, I need, I need our traditional numbers back. Okay. Call me old school. All right, here's what we could do. Devin Bush wears 55. We'll trade him for Roquan Smith and, okay. and you can have that. Um okay. wow, there's a lot there. Uh great, great way to end there with the numbers. I think your expectations for the postseason are exactly right. I think. This defense with Roquan Smith at the helm can be schemed up and game planned to keep any game competitive from the defensive level. And we've, and we've seen that, by the way. We've, we've seen happening. that the past four weeks. We've it seen is that. happening. It, they, they've, mm-hmm. they've reached that level for sure. And then offensively, you could – it's not the expectation. It's not the most likely outcome. But if you – when you have one of these quarterbacks mm-hmm. – if you told me Lamar Jackson got hot for three weeks and they made the Super Bowl, it doesn't sound impossible. It it's does not, not sound crazy. No, it's not. Um, Champion-level defense. I mean, heck, yeah. Joe Flacco did it back in 2011, 2012, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he listen, you know, there could be something out in the universe about this because, I mean, he did it in his contract year, got paid big time mm-hmm. because he won mm-hmm. it. I mm-hmm. mean, what, what if that just happens? I'm just saying, what if what if we have another Super Bowl ring because Lamar Jackson wants 250? All right. Pretty good motivator. Uh, of course, <laughs> not that I want to see it, but I will completely uh, admit that it is definitely a possibility. That mm-hmm. is for sure. Um, ben, any other crazy uh, uh, Ravens thoughts, valid, invalid uh, football scheme or football you know, aesthetic with, with pleasing numbers <laughs> to your eye? Anything else you want to talk about tonight? The Ravens color rush jersey, best uniform in the NFL. There you go. There's another little vanity thing. It is that purple, that purple and gold, man. It is clean, clean. 
they're gonna wear they're, they're doing color rush sunday night right steelers ravens if you haven't heard got flexed to sunday night i saw uh, that to the listeners i'm not talking to you i know you know that oh. listeners. <laughs> Dumb, you just forgot we were doing the whole podcast um <laughs> they're they're definitely wearing color rush sunday night right that's gonna that's gotta happen i hope so isn't isn't the uh steelers color rush just black not just it's, black it's, with, with like a yellow stripe on it it's a great black what are you talking yes it's no it black. is listen all black uniforms are good like listen i i yes, am it's it's black with the with the gold with the gold yeah. numbers and letters and i'm i'm a sucker for all black because the ravens all black is clean with the black helmets yeah but the color rush is it man like yeah, you know playing playing madden i i will say this when i when i when i when i had it i ended up getting rid of my xbox but when i had it i almost almost exclusively chose color rush jerseys for every single game you have to. I, I loved it to. so much or I did what the everybody black. should do yep all right well that's a perfect note to end on we had a lot of great conversations but yeah jersey numbers and and jersey color schemes <laughs> to watch for is where we will end things so ben man thank you so much for being on we went like way longer than anticipated but uh a lot of fantastic stuff man thank you so much and uh when we will have to have you back when all this offseason stuff does kick off yeah um i so would love be, to prepared for that so we really appreciate you coming on and uh everybody once again as always thank you so much for listening to the simon short podcast uh we will talk to you again next week have fun and be safe out there